Welcome, otaku and otakets. This is Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle, and welcome to Uncle Hokage's Anime Podcast. Um, I'm currently sitting in my hotel room. I'm about to get ready to go to Anime Fest or Day 2. Um, but that's not really what I'm talking about today. I just wanted to let you guys know where I'm at because I feel like the more you can kind of associate yourself with who I am and what I'm doing and that I'm just a real person, the more you'll get to know me and the more uh, cool the community is going to be. So uh, Anime Fest so far has been really hella cool. It wore me the hell out after the first day of getting there at about 8.30. I bounced at about the same time, like uh, 8 o'clock is when I think I really went back to the hotel. So being there for mostly 12 hours, but having been awake, really, I got up at 6.30 yesterday morning to kind of get ready and get everything together and make sure that I was on top of my game, so forth and so on. That 130% wore me out. So since your otaku uncle had no opportunity to really like take a nap, or to sit and just um, decompress. I was so exhausted that by the time I got to the hotel, put all my stuff down, uh, sat down for a little bit, put on some anime, I was out like a light. And I slept the rest of the day, I slept the rest of the evening, the rest of the night or whatever. And then I didn't wake up until this morning. It was fantastic. It was some of the best sleep I think I've gotten in a while. So uh, very pleased about that. Very happy with that. So really what I'm going to be doing now is I'm going to go take a quick shower here in a little bit. Uh, I've got some more cards that I want to pass out. I'm going to try to pass out all of them, the rest of them, during the anime, rest of the anime fest, even if I have to put them on some tables. And in addition to that, I want to see if there's anything random or weird I can get some footage of before the day is done. My goal is to be there at about 12 to hang out for a couple of hours and then kind of head back home uh, after the day is done. I'm sitting in a beautiful hotel in downtown Dallas uh, in the middle of this area where I tend to not really go. I haven't really been to this area. Um, usually when I come through downtown Dallas, I'll drive through here, but it's usually on my way to Clyde Warren Park or on my way to Deep Ellum or somewhere else like that. Um, being out here now, seeing people kind of walk around and wander around, I'm getting a little bit more appreciative of this little hideaway in the Dallas area. There's some cool places. There are some high rises. There are some other buildings where, um, if I'm not mistaken, they're just nice apartments where people are living, uh, bits of green in the middle of gray and brown and white concrete. So that's what's going on with me. Um, I want to talk about this anime that I've been watching on Netflix called Revisions. Um, I'm going to be talking about episodes one through four. I think the way and the flow of this series. I'm going to be talking about it in terms of chunks, probably three chunks, maybe just two. But 
based on what I've seen so far and based on how much I've seen, I think now is a really good stopping place uh, for this series to get you guys ramped up before I get into any detailed spoiler talk. Because uh, the way I want to do it is when I get into the spoiler talk section, I don't talk about things sequentially. I'm going to jump around and kind of discuss, okay, this is how it was in the beginning and then in this episode, how it compares, and I'm going to ping back and forth. But I'm only going to do that for episodes one through four. And I made sure that I only watched one through four, though I did see a little bit of the opening of episode five. But that'll be for the next segment. Um, so before we get to that piece, let me give you a little brief overview about what this show is. Um, in this series, it involves five teenagers who are all sharing a little bit of a delicate past. They're all about, I'll say 16, 17 years old, maybe 15. And they had an incident that occurred that they're kind of keeping secret. And as a result, one of the kids believes it is his destiny to protect everybody because something terrible is coming. So he spends the entire intro of the episode um, being overprotective to a lot of the characters' chagrin. And of course, being this is an anime, something does happen and it flips their world upside down. That's the long and short of it. It is in the mech genre. So think Gundam, think Neon Genesis, think Code Geese, think what's some other mech shows? Um, there's so many. I don't even know all of them. Macross, so forth and so on. But you kind of get my drift. It is of that ilk. And because it's of that ilk, there are certain, you know, almost like expectations of, okay, in the mech genre, there's going to be giant robots. In the mech genre, there's going to be, for the most part, teens piloting the uh, robots. I'm not really sure when that became the staple, but that's kind of, you know, what's going on here. They're holding up the tradition. In the mech genre, there are, oh, I don't know, um, the size and scope is always like larger than the average weapons. The uh, the mechs are always more fearsome than um, current weaponry that human beings contain. So tanks, guns, stuff like that cannot compare to the power of the robots. And uh, that's just how it is. So seeing this series... The only reason that I started watching it is because I was kind of like scrolling through different anime. I'm making it part of my my job to check out new stuff and to not just be sitting and thinking about the past. Though I am your otaku uncle, so classic anime and pushing those classic anime series is also part of my job. Letting you guys know about stuff which I know you particularly would not have paid attention to without the right recommendation is also kind of part of my job. Um, but in addition to that, I want to 130% make sure that I am as present to the moment as possible. I'm not going to watch everything. There's some stuff that just doesn't appeal to me. The gambling manga I thought was about this other series that I would had read where there was gambling um, and it was a little bit more fun-spirited. I think the one on Netflix is about uh, psychopaths, a school of gambling psychopaths. And 
I'm not really a fan of that. Uh, something about psychotic behavior in an ordinary setting creeps me out more than monsters, ghouls and goblins. Not really my thing. Um, maybe one day if I just feel like, okay, I have to watch it. Otherwise, I can't really call myself um, your otaku uncle. I'll watch it, but probably not. However, there has been another series that people have said has been super intense that I am going to watch called uh, Goblin Slayer, which they said, no, you're not ready. You think that Attack on Titan was going to get you. You thought Promised Neverland was going to get you. No, this is the one. So I'm going to watch Goblin Slayer uh, this week for sure. But Revisions is the one that I stumbled upon after I finished King and Asura. I watched the first season of King and Asura on Netflix. And I have to say that I was so entertained that right when the season ended, I was scrounging for something else to watch. That's how you know the show is good, because you want to go back to that sensation, that itch needed to be scratched in me. So that's what I kept trying to do, but alas, I was unable to find anything that would quite meet my expectations for that particular show. I was unable to find anything that could um, actually fulfill that void, so I was growing through everything. I tried watching high score girl because uh it had that whole video game influence and king and asura 130 percent um is uh, reminiscent of street fighter street fighter 2 was a game that for in a lot of ways changed my life just because it uh it provided a genre which i couldn't get anywhere else and it did it in a way which i just adored and having that memory and seeing it on there in King and Asura, I was like, ooh, there's more Street Fighter vibes in this series as well, but not to the same degree. It's more of like a, 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 youthful, a youthful romance, if that makes any sense. Um, beyond that, I just kind of kept checking stuff out, checking stuff out. And then this is the one that I stumbled upon that had my attention. I was getting ready to kind of go to sleep. I had work in the morning. Being your otaku uncle does not mean that I just sort of live a uh, free, worry-free lifestyle. I have responsibilities. I have relationships. I have a lot of things that I kind of have to take care of. Um, so obviously I'm going to have a job. I have a great day job. Um, I work with great people. I get to use my brain. I get to really... Um, try and figure out different aspects of the world uh, in my beautiful little uh, little setting, um, which might not be important to everybody, but it holds great importance to myself. So because of that, and because of the responsibilities that I felt that I had and I needed to share, I try and get some decent amount of sleep from time to time until I started watching these anime, right? So I was like, well, let me try this one more show before I go to bed. So I had my laptop, I put it up on the uh, mattress in front of me, kind of laid down, got comfortable, and the first episode drew me in. The very first episode. It was one of those shows where 
the way that they were kind of able to piece things together was incredibly addicting, incredibly entertaining, and it really excited me, it enthralled me, and it kind of made me wonder, um, is this a new take on this genre? Because the way the characters were feeling and coming across wasn't cookie cutter, they felt like characters as opposed to caricatures. They felt like real people, incredibly flawed, um, very likable and unlikable. And it was one of those instances where I was like, huh, I'm paying attention. I ended up watching the first episode that entire night. I started the second one, but I got too sleepy, so I had to put the second one aside and give it a rest. So... I think that's most of the lead up that I had, where the excitement came from, having watched that first episode and being like, that was so weird, yet so interesting, yet it took a lot of the tropes and not necessarily twisted them on its head, but it bent them just a little bit to give me uh, interest in a way that I wasn't expecting to gain interest. So that particular show kind of hooked me. So this is what I'm going to be talking about. I'm going to be talking about revisions, episodes one through four, the 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 shock, the the intrigue, um, all to establish the mystery of what's actually going on with this series. So sit tight with me for a little bit. Uh, that's what I'm going to be talking about on this podcast, Uncle Hokage, your Otaku Uncle. Don't forget, before we get into this, to follow me on YouTube at Uncle Hokage or Instagram at Uncle Hokage. We're putting together some great clips of the Anime Fest, and I'm going to do the full like uh, interview series for there, for other, uh, other conventions, uh, best that we can possibly do in the scope, and then hopefully build upon that. So stay tuned for that. And uh, Uncle Hokage, your otaku uncle, uh, Anime Blop TV, and then we're going to keep on letting this train move on. So stick with me. Let's get right into, what is this, a review? Whatever it is. Let's get into it. So, Revisions is special. It's special insofar as it doesn't follow the typical main character energy that comes with this particular genre. Now, in the shonen uh, mech genre, you have two types of main characters. First is the one who is, I would say, aspirational. He's perfect, he's brilliant, he's capable, uh, he's manly. He is the type of person that the viewer wants to be. So you've got Hiro Yui from Gundam Wing. You've got Kamina from Tengen Topa and Guren Lagann, even though he's not the main character, but he's a good example. Um, you've got Kira Yamato from Gundam Seed. Despite their temperaments, they're all different, but they all share one thing in common, and is that that they are 100% capable. They're reliable. They are better than the average pilot. They can do things that the other people can't do, and they even established this in Gundam Seed, where you can't pilot a Gundam 
unless you have extraordinary capabilities and you have brilliant mind and strong constitution. That is just the norm. And in um, Tengen Topa, Gurren Lagen, you can't pilot a Gurren unless you have incredible <coughs> self-belief. But these characters just have that. Partly through hard work, partly through natural talent. And we envy the position that they're in. We cheer for them. We, 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 we love watching them on screen because it makes us smile seeing someone use their um, superior advantages for good, for the benefit of those around them, um, for themselves, without taking advantage. That is the first type of character. The second type is the one who's sympathetic. They are the more realistic type in that they have just tons of flaws. They have worries. They have anxieties. They have fears. They have to try very, very hard to make sure that their constitution keeps up, to make sure that their emotions are in check, to make sure that they don't break emotionally. That's what a lot of the angst comes from. The poster boy for this is Akari Shinji. I knew him as Shinji Akari because I watched the dub. Um, but he was down in the dumps. He was depressed. He was almost in a lot of ways had to make terrible hard choices to get inside these mech suits in order to pilot them. And because of that, the the trauma of being a very young boy um, and having to kill and having to fight really got to him as it would that is in a lot of ways the realistic reaction um, some people would be more capable than others but most everybody would end up carrying a weight of some kind so thinking about that I think about revisions <laughs> and I'm like this show is like none of those this show it doesn't have a main character who's aspirational doesn't have a main character who's sympathetic has a main character who's kind of a dunce he's kind of dopey and he's kind of um, thick not thick but he's kind of thick headed <laughs> Um, main character in Revisions is Daisuke. And like I said earlier, this is spoilers for episodes 1 through 4. 1 through 4 Revisions, we're going to spoil the hell out of all of them. Uh, sit back and enjoy. So, Daisuke is so dense that he doesn't have any nuanced thinking. None. All he knows is that he's supposed to protect everybody. And he doesn't care the circumstances. He just looks for ways in which he can protect people through force. He spent the entire time training, which is cool. It's admirable. But he boasts about it. It's not admirable. He looks out for his friends. That's awesome. But he looks out for them when they don't need it. That's terrible. He 
wants to do something good for humanity. He wants to make sure everyone is safe. He believes the character we're supposed to believe. He has the right insight. He doesn't listen to anybody but himself. He challenges everybody bullheadedly. Everyone has to calm him down. He repeats the same phrases and he can't understand um, why everyone just doesn't just do exactly what he says all the time. He's bullheaded, he's piggish, he is a little bit stupid, and he doesn't listen to uh, good advice. So he has a lot of the, the guts. He has the, the no fear, but it's not coming from a place of admiration that we can be like, get behind. It's coming from a place of this moron. He's so dumb. He's a really dumb character. And because he's such a dumb character, giving that responsibilities, he's hard to watch. None of the characters respect him. They're just with him because he is their old friend from before. And that's what's so weird about it when I think about how the character arcs tend to go. Usually it's um, this person is loud but un- incapable, but his heart's in the right place. This character's heart is not in the right place. He's literally only thinking about himself. He's only thinking about, I need to be the hero. I need to, I need to sign autographs. He has no humility. He doesn't quite understand where power truly comes from. And he doesn't have any mentors that he's willing to listen to. It'd be different if he had mentors that eventually got through to him. And he was like, yeah, I need to fix some stuff up. But throughout all four episodes, he has never not once adjusted his attitude or tried to figure out something different to where he was taking the advice of someone wiser than himself. I thought that maybe he was going to mature with the police force, but even when he kind of screwed up and he failed when they were out on a mission in episode four or three, when episode three... All he hears is, I'm supposed to protect, or I believe Milo, because it's like he's he's taken his childhood um, perspective, and he's stretched it out infinitesimally, and I think that's what's going on, and why it's kind of a little bit too realistic, how the characters are reacting. They experience some ridiculous trauma. Daisuke was kidnapped and I'm assuming held at gunpoint or knife point and the guy said if you don't bring your friends here, I'm going to kill you and so don't call the cops, call your friends, tell them to come meet me or I'm going to kill you. So he's sitting there, he's tied up and the trauma is incredible and they can't tell anybody But then this woman comes and saves him and she says, you need to be prepared because you're going to be very important. You're going to protect everybody. So make sure that you're good and that you you remember it. Don't forget. And so he takes that to heart. Now, what I think the trauma has done is it's got him kind of stuck in that five-year-old, four-year-old age. So that thing where you're really just like can only see your own individual perspective 
and you can't um, empathize with others, I feel like he's stuck in that uh, second stage of life. That's how a lot of very, very young kids act, where they they know what they want and what they need, and everyone else isn't quite real yet. We're all characters in each other's plays when you're five years old, and the world is this, basically this like movie. And it takes a while for you to learn about other human beings and other people and to empathize and you grow out of it and eventually you mature and eventually you develop a sense of other and that is what Daisuke is missing he only knows people in terms of things to protect he only knows the world as a stage to be a protector and he honestly never seems to grasp the situations and it's really really annoying to watch it's one of those things where um, I could feel sympathy for the character but another part of human beings is to understand that we know how difficult trauma is we get that but we also know that at certain point in life you have to grow up man you have to recognize that you can't just yell and scream and get whatever you want so seeing him maintain that silly attitude and kind of continue being that dopey bullheaded no i believe milo no i'm protect like it's it's crazy arrested development going on that's my original impression of him as a main character i can't stand watching him and i keep waiting for something to get him to wake up but i'm worried that they're going to validate his ridiculous behavior later on um other characters have like their own different perspective and I kind of want to talk about those guys now the other characters in the show are a little bit more tolerable though they do kind of fulfill individual tropes individual character archetypes that need to be filled in the majority of settings um I'm going to try and remember most of their names. I've already forgotten two of them. But there's Guy and his twin sister. Guy is the skeptic. He is the um, very annoyed at the flippancy of Daisuke. Almost to the point where he becomes annoying. Where he's so... He lacks empathy to such a degree that you're like okay you know your friend is a little bit slow or a little bit off maybe you should cut him some slack but at the same time I haven't been with him throughout that entirety of kind of like what he's done so he doesn't have he doesn't have he has more context than I do as far as like the 10 years or whatever however long has passed uh, second, you have the other friend, Kinsuke, 
and um, he's very understanding and he is the one who always comes in and tries to calm the situation down to mend fences to make sure that Daisuke and Guy are getting along and then you have the other girl whose name is escaping me but she wears glasses and she plays the role of kind of the timid shy scared nervous girl and that is another one of the archetypes as they kind of occur and you get what I'm saying right the this show it has all of the different character archetypes so it kind of lets you to have this multi-varied crew of individuals which is kind of the point in a lot of ways mari 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 is is the girl with the glasses name that is one of the staples of the genre i don't know why i keep harping on that because it's like they're so the same and yet they're so not the same it's the same stuff that we've seen a million million times it's the same thing you see from Voltron to Power Rangers, where everyone is of a different type of nature, to Ninja Turtles, where Raphael is a cool one and Leonardo is the leader and Donatello is a smart one and everyone fits into a role. But they just, they're so shockingly sharp on this show. They're so, they have such a strong edge to them that you realize that the show has that real tinge of reality in this strange, abnormal world. Another thing that makes it so real is the police sergeant. Um, I'm going to call him the sergeant. He's probably the police chief of the Shibuya area. So there's a lot of interactions between the police chief and the mayor. And you have that other kind of trope going along where the police chief is very hard-nosed, good at his job, really looking out for the people and trying to resolve and solve problems. Whereas the mayor is basically trying to get reelected, so he's pretty weaselly. He has a weird haircut, he's kind of frail, not the guy that's very admirable. So in his in the way that he does things and in his constitution, he's not something that we aspire to be, which makes him very easily to dislike. One of the fun tricks that a lot of shows do is they will create a character with distasteful qualities, right? But then they will put them in a character who has a lot of admirable qualities. They're charismatic, or they're strong, or they're handsome, or they're beautiful, but they're so kind of cruddy on the inside that it becomes like a question to the audience of how much of this cruddy nature would we stand if the person is someone who we find attractive, whatever attractive means in the grander scheme of things. Um, there's some great examples with a lot of bad guys. Like, um, I'm trying to think about who to put without spoiling anything. We'll say the Joker from Batman uh, the Dark Knight movie specifically. The Joker from The Dark Knight is probably one of the worst human beings on the planet, and yet he is one of the most likable human beings on the planet because of how charismatic he is on screen. You don't want to be anywhere near him, but watching him is a lot of fun, it's a lot of thrill. He adds that little brief bit of spark 
to an otherwise ordinary day. That's super common with a lot of bad guys, where the bad guy is more charismatic than the hero, um, especially with uh, certain movies like Black Panther. Um, there's a little bit of that with uh, Thanos, a little bit. Um, I don't want to say any particular anime, but it's common in JRPGs. Sephiroth is pretty charismatic, but so is Cloud. And I think that's enough. That is one of those things that's super common. And yet, with these guys, with the mayor and with the police chief, the mayor is not charismatic. So you're waiting for his downfall. It's an interesting choice that they decided to do it that way. I don't know if one way is better or one way is worse. But I know that that's the, the kind of choice that they made. And uh, that's what's going on with this show. All right, I'm going to try and focus a little bit because I've been going off on so many tangents. And I, I never really gave my impressions of like why this show kind of like gripped me so hard. So when I first put this show on, it was late at night. And there's a very weird opening scene where the after the guy, you know, Daisuke, he goes and he annoys the hell out of everybody. There, the, the world is basically immediately, boop, it's flipped into this weird thing. Half of the school building is sliced in half. And these giant monsters with human masks where their faces would be appear that are basically, I don't know if they're monsters or they're mechs, but they're very massive. Um... One of them immediately grabs somebody and squeezes them to death. They they die. They start capturing humans and putting them into these like vats. And this girl with long, beautiful pink hair flies over the fence and says, uh, you're, you need to watch out. These creatures are going to kill you. She has these futuristic weapons and she's able to combat them with just a handgun, a futuristic handgun, but it's still just a handgun. And that's where he eventually gets what they're calling a string puppet for his mech. Um, I don't like that name. <laughs> I think they could have done better. But uh, the mech is cool. And they have this weird... They have this weird, like almost like fake 3D design where they're using 3D technology to render 2D images and then they're able to move them easier, I'm sure, and generate stuff faster without the hardcore animation studios that they have in Japan and they have in like Korea and such. However, it's very different than what we're used to. There is a less smooth quality to it it almost reminds me of the difference between film and digital where you have the 2d rendered and the 2d hand-drawn images versus these 3d rendered and 3d um 3d backdrops neither excuse me neither of them are bad but this one is just very different so you have that weird interest and then you realize, oh, this isn't a game. These creatures are coming and people are dying. And this is where Daisuke becomes annoying. It's because when people start dying and he eventually can fight back and eventually win, 
There's no solace. There's no somber nature. He's celebrating. He's cheering. He's acting like a dimwit because he is just happy that he's able to finally protect people. And with the string puppets, I can finally do it and all this stuff. And the the, the woman, uh, Milo. So the thing with Milo is that when Daisuke was kidnapped back when he was a kid... All of the kids were, they get this creepy call from Daisuke, the killer is next to him, and she appears at their house, and she says, don't worry, I'm going to find Daisuke, I'm going to save him, everybody be quiet, we cannot tell the cops, let's go. And then cut to um, all these kids standing around a dead body covered in a blanket, and her telling them individually, like, don't worry, you're safe now. And then she gives them all individual advice. She tells Daisuke, she says, Daisuke, you are going to protect everybody. Keep that in mind, don't forget. And then she, and then Daisuke hugs her and thanks her and he's crying. But they're safe. They just can't tell anybody. But then she tells everybody else slightly different advice. She says, Guy, you need to be skeptical of everything. Don't forget it. Um, Kinsuke, you need to accept everything. Don't forget it. On and on. And at first, the show makes it feel, makes you seem like Daisuke is the only one that got that specific advice. So we're like, okay, he's kind of ridiculous. But he did get this advice. So we know it happened. We have that little bit of um, dramatic irony going on where we kind of comprehend the additional information that a lot of the characters don't have. Well, they all got advice from her. So from where I'm sitting, it's starting to open up into a bigger mystery. Um, and I think the show is about to make its next shift. And I know it is because of um, how it ended in episode four, where they were about to hand over the devices over to the revisions. And right before they did it, they managed to kind of stop them and they managed to kind of break free and everything. And I'm going to talk about the revisions here in a little bit. That's the name of the show. I thought it was called something else when I was showing my friend, but the revisions are one side of this futuristic battle. And then the AHVD anti-human something something that's the part that milo is she's a part of some sort of secret sect that is there to protect humanity at all cost and the revisions however are claiming something very very similar that they are part of a group that is there to protect humans and protect humanity and to um do something but the implication with the revisions is that they have a particular ulterior motive and the way that they speak. Now, at first, when you first see the revisions and you see those giant monsters, I'm thinking that the revisions are just the giant monsters. But at the end of episode two, or I think the end of episode two or three, after they are able to finally capture additional string puppets that Guy and his twin sister, Uno, I think her name is Uno, are able to kind of jump into, we see this character this weird human character uh with long purple hair and like this like weird cosplay maid outfit and they're like hey it her clothes seem like a joke but this is the person from the revision that's come to contact us and she's offered us a truce and a treaty 
And even though the people have been constantly attacked and hundreds of people have been killed or stolen or whatever, and cities have been destroyed, the mayor says, okay, let us parlay. Thank you for listening to the Uncle Hokage's anime podcast. Before we continue, I want to make sure that you go to my YouTube page, youtube.com forward slash Uncle Hokage. You can see my latest trip to Anime Fest where I'm still editing the videos. Probably going to have those up in a couple of weeks with um, some cleaned up footage, some cleaned up audio, and some raw, terrible footage and some terrible audio <laughs> just for kicks. I'm going to see if I can get a couple of like previews up and running because I think I had a really good time at the festival. So, Uncle Hokage's anime podcast will now continue because we got to talk more about revisions. Um, as I was just stating, the revisions were not what I was expecting. I was honestly not expecting any type of human one-on-one human style person-to-person contact or interaction at all for a lot of reasons um i had already pre-categorized this particular type of enemy so kind of continuing with the first like two or three episodes all we see are these faceless weird monsters that are horrifying in how dispassionate they are as opposed to in how weird and gross they are so I was expecting this to be kind of like the angels in Neon Genesis where it was almost like this constant perpetual sense of desperation or even in a lot of ways in Code Geese where there are people behind them but that tension and the desperation as you feel so underpowered when you're fighting against them I was expecting that. But more so than the desperation, I just wasn't expecting them to ever show themselves in a form that was they could communicate with human beings. So when the episode ended where you see this really tall, uh, black, uh, purple haired character walking, she's, you know, real thick and has like this maid costume and she's real like buxom and everything. And you see her walking down the hallway. I'm in a lot of ways intrigued i'm i'm my 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 radar is peaked my antennas go up because that is not something that i was expecting to see at all in truth i wasn't expecting to see that or see anything like that i was surprised the fact that now this entire thing is almost like becoming more human so when you have an alien quote-unquote alien invasion and then you give them the sense to communicate it makes it easier for almost like the human brain to grasp because it's hard for us to comprehend a mindless faceless enemy it's hard for us to comprehend an enemy that we can't reason with and i think that plays in to the viewers so that when the mayor takes this deal and he's like, no, 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 they're going to send us back because we find out about time travel more on the time travel later. Um, people are ecstatic. They're excited. 
they really they can't wait and they can't wait precisely because it's a chance for someone to understand where they're coming from and we feel that from understanding breeds empathy and that empathy will keep us ultimately safe and when everybody is just sitting there and they start cheering revisions revision revisions even though these creatures have just been killing them and kidnapping them and attacking them for several episodes it's one of those things where if you feed things in the right way then the mass will will swallow it um what's pretty cool too is how they kind of show the nature of the mayor and how he kind of acts he's kind of presented as this weaselly character who just kind of does what he wants to do in order to stay in charge to gain more power to make sure that he attains what he can attain and the implication is that he's never been strong-willed so he doesn't really have a spine or a backbone and understand that um, you have to put yourself on the line in order to gain um a real stake in the world and i think that is the kind of lesson that people continue to give out that lesson of you have to be strong in certain senses i actually haven't seen too many very strong-willed scrawny characters in a while and that might be because we kind of understand a lot of the times as people that there has to be a sense of self-sacrifice and personal like um personal danger the acceptable amount of personal danger in order for us to achieve certain things so that part plays into the reality and what was really cool is seeing the police uh i guess he's the police chief i'll call him the police chief for now and seeing how he kind of maneuvers it he doesn't argue he doesn't fight. He doesn't yell. He doesn't scream. He just sort of maneuvers around the back way, makes sure his people are in the know and can protect themselves and, to, and finds his moments and so selects his moments so he knows when to strike so that he can have his coup and the coup goes very, very smoothly. So I'm a big fan I'm a big fan of the way that they handled that character and the mayor. And then the revisions are just weird. So the way the revisions are portrayed is in these forms to which they can communicate with people. One of them is the tall, statuesque, busty character. One of them is the shorter, lowly character. She's wearing this like lowly goth style outfit. And the other is this like weird stuffed animal thing that kind of floats around and he gives the most information. The stuffed animal thing expresses to Daisuke when they meet. He's chilling on the ground and Daisuke is walking around sulking like a child. He kicks him and the stuffed animal kind of comes to life and starts talking with him, freaks Daisuke out, but then he says, hey, I'm one of the revisions. And he kind of implies a lot of things. He tries to spin his, what well, we're led to believe our lies that they're there to actually help humanity to save them from extinction but then when the revision actually gets back to his ship with the uh, two other revision girls they're saying well um this 
girl Milo and the other guy, they are getting in our way, the police chief guy, getting in our way. And we are just need to be careful when we're collecting specific when we're collecting um, commodities. So what I think is going on is the revisions are every them and Milo are from the future, the very, very distant future. And they don't have any corporeal beings. They don't have bodies, the revisions. So what they have to do is they have to look for certain humans that have, maybe they're clean, maybe they just meet a certain genotype, maybe they have a certain blood type, and they're probably going to break down the human parts and create new bodies out of people uh, so that they can embody them and have a real body once more. That's probably, their consciousness is probably stored somewhere, and they're probably having to go somewhere before the human human beings were infected. Um, the whole time travel concept is very interesting because I don't know how reliable a lot of the information is. We're led to believe that Milo, Milo is this time cop, that she is the one who's going back, protecting human beings from revisions throughout the time stream. Um, but she's also giving information stating that time right now is fragmented. So existing at the same time is their time 2322 or something like that and the current modern time which when this came out is 2017 so as 2017 and 2322 are both coexisting at the same time she can see dual sides of it but the people from 2017 us we can only see the current time and then some weird stuff that's kind of been mismatched so the city of Shibuya is now surrounded by what I'm assuming is um, the world as it exists in the real future, uh, surrounded by monsters, ivy, moss, decay, dust, almost like there's this circle, this post-apocalyptic circle that kind of um, creates a circumference around where they can uh, realistically exist. So this particular... This particular show, as far as when it comes to um, the revisions, it's it's handling them very interestingly. I didn't think that I was going to be as interested in those characters as I am, but I like what they're doing. I like the fact that they do present a little bit of a mystery that you kind of have to piece together. That's my guess of what I think is going to happen. I like the fact that I thought it was going to be a very stereotypical typical type show where the characters are going to slowly get stronger slowly uh, maintain get some stability then falter then almost lose but then at the last minute come back like i don't know if they're going to make it i don't know if they're going to survive um it almost it almost makes for uh, an inside out version of this particular style of programming uh, when it, especially when it comes to the mech anime series, I'm I'm not going to sit here and say that those are my favorite uh, types of shows. I have a little bit of an affinity for some of them. I have a couple of uh, Nasiko uh, tapes on my shelf right now, and I mean tapes from back in the day. I have um, I have some fondness of a couple of series that I really enjoyed, like Kitty Grade. I thought that one was 
pretty pretty excellent and pretty unique um in the same type of type of stuff you know clones and mechs and space suits and space battles and different planets and things like that and i can't say how different those particular ones are from any of the others but i can really say that this one feels different and it's hard to pinpoint or really highlight why i just know it to be true so my instinct is telling me that this is one of those ones that's going to um but has a lot more depth than I can kind of perceive on the surface that this is one of those shows kind of like scryed or s dot c r y dot e d um where it seems like it is of one style, but in truth it has a whole lot more gravitas weight gravity uh cojones going on behind, below the surface. Um, and I think the whole concept of time travel as it stands is interesting. And I mean, the long and short of it is that the kids were saved by Milo, but the Milo that they are fighting with now does not know them. This is their first time meeting them to a point. So it seems as if the Milo from the future future is the ones that saved them from the past past. And this current Milo from the future doesn't know them, but she knows that in her future, future, she will go back to the past, past the past, and save these children um, so that they can fight. And as the detective said, that's too complicated, it's too much, or the police chief said, it, it, it's too complicated, too complex, and that doesn't necessarily uh, tell us much, but it sets a pretty good stage. So... Um, if I were to kind of lump in how I feel about this particular show going forward, I think that they're off to a really good start. I mean, it kind of has everything you want, except except for a, a main character who is likable. When the main character isn't likable or relatable, then it's hard to keep going. Because they are the driving force behind the show. I don't have a reason to root for Daisuke. I'm hoping that maybe he'll wake up. But his, the way he goes about things and his delusion really puts me off from wanting him to succeed. Because he's too old to be acting in those kind of selfish manners. If you're going to protect people, I thought that he was going to since he's going to protect people, what would have been cool is if he had found a way to protect people, whether they liked it or not, and actually protect them instead of getting in their way, instead of pissing people off, instead of uh, just demanding that he deserves it, he should have earned it. Then he would have been likable. Or he could have been a character who felt like he should protect, but didn't feel like he could and he so he was felt insecure and he was maybe let down and so forth and so on and he has those kind of like internal struggles so he would be a little bit relatable the person who feels insecure and feels like they're not good enough and feels like they can't quite do it but he is none of those <laughs> Daisuke is selfish immature brat with 
arrested development and a desire to uh, match the world to his delusion as opposed to viewing the world for what it is. So on that lovely note, those are my spoiler-filled thoughts about episodes one through four of Revisions. I think it's a pretty dope show. I'm having a lot of fun watching it. And I highly recommend it if you just need something to watch. So if you were listening through this anyway, even though it's all spoiler-filled, 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 I appreciate you hanging with me. Um, I'll say a couple of more words here in a second, uh, but I'm going to jump out of the spoiler talk now. And thank you for listening to my anime podcast. I'm having a lot of fun putting these things together. I'm... I guess still pretty newish to the podcasting scene, despite the fact that I've made my attempts at podcasting for several years. I'm using the Anchor app. I think the Anchor app is super dope. It's very easy to use. I've used other things back in the day, and I feel like this is the most simplest, easiest version of anything that I've been able to use so far. So shout out to those guys. Um, as far as if you want to catch up with me, find me on Instagram at Uncle Hokage. Find me on TikTok at Uncle Hokage03, which I did not know that I was 03 until I looked at it yesterday. I guess that there was two other Uncle Hokages and then they just defaulted my page. Um, instead of me putting it as Uncle Hokage TV, which is my Snapchat, it went to Uncle Hokage03, which is fine. So find me on TikTok and come say hello. And... The next anime that I'm going to try and add in here while I'm watching some revisions is uh, Goblin Slayer. Um, It's one that everyone is like, oh man, it's crazy. It's wild. It's intense. It's going to really mess you you up. You need to really, really be prepared. So I'm going to 135% give this one a shot because I've got the time and the spirit. I want to see it. Yeah. So, um... Some other things coming up, coming forward, I'm going to figure out about the next convention that I want to go to, but I want to do some smaller stuff in the meantime. I'm going to be shooting with a really dope uh, Instagram uh, model, and I think that she is very cool. She's a cosplayer, so I think she would be very good for what we're putting together. We are going to be adding some new clothing for the Uncle Hokage Boutique some anime style pieces for other people to wear. I'm going to get her crop top. I'm going to get her the uh, shorts and we are going to make it happen. And it's going to be a lot of fun. Uh, In the meantime, I'm going to test out my YouTubing skills and I'm going to try to make a more high definition style show that I can present to all of you guys. I think I'm going to do it right here in the living room just for kicks, because why not? Something to do, uh, something different, something interesting, and I feel like it's going to add on to getting to know me, who I am, what I'm about, and hopefully presents myself in a different light. And I'm, you know, this whole thing, it means the world to me. I'm going to play Dragon's Dogma. I love JRPGs. I love otaku culture. I love cosplay. I love connecting with the community. It just really gets me excited and the more things like that that I can see and view and the more places that I can go I feel like the better off I'm going to be as a human being as a person as myself and 
I think that's that. So thank you so much once again for listening. Uh, next episode should be coming soon. I'm just going to keep rattling them off because why not? It's fun to have a podcast and it's fun to do some talking in the space. And as I keep watching more random stuff, I really like talking about it. I love talking revisions with you guys. So um, I will talk to you guys soon. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, be sure to like, share the podcast with one other person, with a friend. It'll do me that one favor. And subscribe. So uh, love, peace, and hair grease.